You are listening to the Special Needs Children podcast with Chitra Iyer. Chitra Iyer is a parent of 22-year-old Shravan Iyer who has epilepsy, cerebral palsy and autism. She is the CEO of MFA and has been helping families with life-centered planning to reach their personal financial goals. She is also a trustee of a parent support group, the Forum for Autism. which was set up almost two decades ago MFA is a 16 year old organization in the personal finance space they have set up a dedicated practice to help families with special needs children to plan their financial goals and invest for them the thoughts shared here are a result of the discussion with parents caregivers siblings and professionals regarding the planning for a person with special needs In this expert series podcast, Chitra Iyer is talking to Dr. Harish Shetty, one of the most experienced and best psychiatrists in Mumbai, with an experience of over 3 decades in his field. He is a trainer, researcher, and an avid blogger. In this interview, he will be sharing insights from his years of experience in the field of mental health with respect to children and adults with special needs. Listen to his thoughts about how every child with a disability should be able to go to a school near their home just like other children. How every government and private hospital should have a multidisciplinary setup to handle special needs and why we need larger schools for children with disability. Listen to him explain on this wonderful chat about how counseling is definitely a key to help families of special needs children. Over to Chitra here. Hello doctor. I'm so happy to have you here on this podcast. Everyone, this is Dr. Harish Shetty, who is known as one of the best psychiatrists in Mumbai with an experience of over 3 decades in his field. I welcome you doctor. I'm so happy to be here, Chitra. I'm so happy to be with somebody who has been working for children with disabilities for so many years. Very happy to be here. Thank, thank you, thank you for your time, Doctor. Thank you for coming in as the expert in my special needs children podcast. To give a very quick introduction of Doctor Hari Shetty, though most of you know him, and I don't think he needs an introduction at all. But he is somebody who has worked extensively in the field of mental health. He has worked with children, and that's all he said. The children just tell everyone that I am here just to work and help more and more kids in this space of mental health. He's a trainer, a researcher, and an avid blogger. He has been visiting various universities. He has been teaching in the space of the addiction. He has helped families for uh, uh, suicide prevention. He has been working. Uh, a lot in terms of abolishing segregation among students based on their marks. He has also founded Maitri, an organization that works with families affected by mental illness, and has been instrumental in training a large number of medical personnel in the field of mental health. He has been helping a lot of NGOs, just like ours, also over the last decade plus that we've been associated with him, having him uh, in our monitoring committee. Uh, Doctor Shetty, before we begin, just wanted to quickly ask you, what made you choose to become a psychiatrist? Can you share your journey with us, please? 
Well, I wanted to do general medicine uh, because I liked deduction and thinking. You need to gather symptoms, gather evidence, examine, and then come to a conclusion. It is just like what Sherlock Holmes did uh, in his novel. But I met Dr. Vasant Mundra and Dr. Charles Pinto in my undergraduate days, both psychiatrists. And they really turned me around and said, there'll be hundreds who will do general medicine, but psychiatry is a field which helps you to change lives. And uh, I still remember the class of Dr. Mundra, first class and the first class of the late Dr. Charles Pinto. And then I decided this is it. Though I was tempted to apply for medicine and I would have got the seat, I moved out and chose to apply for psychiatry. So even after I chose to apply for psychiatry and I did my course of psychiatry, I still was not completely satisfied with what I've learned. So then I chose to go to the people since the late 80s. And I continue doing that. So I chose to become a people-based psychiatrist and not a patient-based psychiatrist, which means I would meet people more than patients to understand what's happening in the world, to learn and to actually do a lot uh, with them. So that was my initial journey. Amazing, Doctor. You found your, your dream to follow and your passion. Doctor, uh, any parent of a child with disability, I'm coming straight to disability, would not come to you immediately on diagnosis, right? We've seen many couples unable to take the news on their child's prognosis, as it is completely the opposite of all they dreamt of for their child. One quote explains a parent's mind very beautifully. You thought that you wanted to arrive in Amsterdam, but you actually landed up in Timbuktu. What would your advice to a couple dealing with a diagnosis be, doctor? Especially if one finds it very difficult to accept the same and take the next steps required for the child. I think uh, it is very normal to have a delayed acceptance. But it is very important to accelerate the acceptance. And it is not cognitive. The first news the breaking news which the parents listen to will cause a lot of turbulence in the mind of the father and the mother and will cause a large amount of emotional outbursts inside their minds. There will be denial, there will be guilt, there will be questioning, there will be shock. And what is very important at that point of time is to allow their feelings to find space. Way with somebody who would never judge them. It could be a relative, it could be a psychologist, it could be an aunt, it could be a grandparent. And once the grief slowly starts receding, acceptance slowly starts increasing. A lot of myths will also come through the grief. And many parents will try to do the impossible. And unfortunately, at that point of time, they'll be exploited by cracks. So just as after a disaster and a death in a, a disaster, the compensation money given by the government 
is wasted when the person is not in his proper mental health and it is saved and spent very rationally if he or she is aware of his feelings. So similarly, let the mind burst. Don't stop it. But find a vent, find a person, find a pair of ears or many pairs of ears or them to be assisted with. Again, after that, they'll be, they'll be to and fro. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. But in the journey of acceptance, there'll be a lot of joy. There'll be a lot of uh, sadness. There'll be a lot of sudden bursts of optimism. Experience all that and, and, and be the journey. You know, Chitra, even after 25 years of the patient having schizophrenia and being on treatment, the father still says, what is schizophrenia? I don't understand it. In spite of explaining to them repeatedly for 25, why? Because unresolved grief delays acceptance. And I'm okay with that. And what is also very vital is that not to compare your child with somebody else's. Like the other day, I was told, I told the family that your child should meet another child who has autism. And they asked me, what is his level? Is he bright? Is he retarded? Is he, is he whatever? And that is the biggest mistake that parents make. Children need children. And we should allow children to meet children who are easily accessible. I'm not saying they should not meet children who do not have autism, but I'm saying that do not try and exclude and, and put your child in a category that he remains isolated. So shock, denial, grief, sadness, optimism, pessimism will all go on. But a dialogue, an interaction has to continue. Accelerated acceptance is necessary and that will happen through samvad and through curious learning and allowing your heart to find a road with people whom you trust, people who accept you without any doubt and any reservation. That's the road. And once you're on the road, Acceptance is easier. But let me also add, Chitra, there is no complete acceptance. There is no complete acceptance. There will always be some gaps, some doubts. But if you're on the road, you're there. There's nothing like, I have completely accepted it. No. No, that's not possible. It is the fact that parents are walking the road. But acceptance, therapy, rehabilitation, Joy all run in parallel. Very beautifully, Shankar. Very, very beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Doctor, many couples, especially those children, face separation, go through divorce, and if they do not want to be in that relationship. Nor do they sometimes, one of the spouses doesn't want to take responsibility for the upbringing of their child. How do you counsel such families, Doctor? Chitra, whether it is mental illness or disability among children, 
we fight the dreadful polarized parenting which means sometimes one of the parent believes that he or she should take complete responsibility and he should not trouble the other and that's a very dangerous phenomenon and i've seen marriages breaking there are divorces happening all all over and and that also is because of one parent playing the martyr role one parent saying mai dekh lunga aap apna kaam kijiye aapko takleef ne dena hai and this martyrdom can destroy both the marriage as well as the child's health so from day one uh, both of you are responsible he may be responsible for certain things he may be responsible for certain other things he may be able to do things which you cannot do you may be able to do things which he cannot do and that is the first thing now what happens is many men many fathers do not accept it large number of fathers do not accept it because out of sheer anxiety they 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 build a wall across their eyes and across their mind and they block the entire episode the entire truth and the truism and they just move away from them and then the, the wall becomes thicker and thicker and they move away from the mother of the child and slowly they believe that that they would not want to take this responsibility because of anxiety anger and and then they drift at that point of time early on the parents have to be brought in by the psychologist or the therapist and even if one parent cannot attend he or she should be actually engaged over the phone and be informed about the progress and what needs to be done apart from that the second most important danger is when the one parent blames the other for the child with disability and when you scapegoat either parent the marriage slowly begins to disintegrate the third most biggest issue is the financial it's very expensive to really raise a child with disability it's a burden health burden on the parents and many of them are isolated and and the financial disability is also encroach upon the family health for example a child who needs money for various therapies uh, is is looked down upon by the extended family because the father cannot share some part of his salary with his family of origin and that is also a very big obstacle and the fourth big obstacle is when you don't involve the other sibling and i i have so many children who have lost their parents one or both and suddenly the sibling was old enough suddenly says i do not know anything they were taking care of my sibling and i do not know what to do the fifth most important thing is isolating your child from the world normal world uh, which means not only taking them to marriages and picnics and all functions and without any shame or embarrassment but beyond that seeking help in the sense will you spend the day with my son or my daughter safe places of course safe places and so involving the 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 community in the care of your child is very important many parents are very ashamed they say humne koshish ki hai humne hamare ban ko bataya bhai ko bataya unhone kuch kuch samne nahi aaya to koi farak nahi padta hai hazaron logon ko bolna don't sit and 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 sit and grieve like 
Nirupa Roy, ki the family, extended family is not giving you any support. Are, move away from the family and tell a lot of young boys and girls that you need support for your children. Maybe spending time, maybe reading a story, maybe, maybe sitting in the library, maybe learning a skill. So throw yourself into the community and you'll find that the burden of care slowly goes down and families can be saved. Also, I have had families and I have those families today where one, one mother goes around doing all the therapies and in that process, the father is isolated and there's a lot of distance which is not bridged and there's a blame game, there's hostility which happens. There are many reasons, but lastly, depression is very common among parents taking care of children with disability. Large number, large number of them may not need medication, but they need counseling. And a lot of parents with children with disability do not want to take any help because they say, Hamara bachche ko hami samaj sakte hai, dusra koi ne samaj sakta hai. They say, counseling doesn't chhod do, aapke ghar mein sab bachcha ho to aapko tab and I tell them, no, if you have to survive in this road and outlive the children or live as long as you can, you need to think about lengthening your life, which is a metaphor for taking care of your health. So, so that is also one of the most important issues related to families with children with disability. And lastly, Chitra, uh, what is also very important is that in a globalized world, parents have to work long hours. So visibility of parents is very less. Also, the homes which we have are anti-child because, because when we are chores, children could go anywhere. In the village itself, a child with disability is taken care of in an, in, in an open air where there's grass, there's mountains, and there are houses away from each other. But in a in a, in a metropolis like Mumbai, Delhi, or Calcutta, we're isolated and globalization has isolated us more. So the adverse effect of globalization is disconnection and helping families to get connected is one of the most important issues where they're wherein the families actually break because when the stress is high and the mind is depressed, you start fighting with each other. When you fight with each other, you forget where it began. And when you forget where it began, the marriage break. Lastly, having, having hit my head against the ball with all families that we need to look at respite care. And respite care would mean that families are able to go out for a week where the children are taken care of by a structured, organized system, which they all build. And, but the biggest difficulty and the resistance is parents saying, Hum unke saath bhi sakte, unke bina bhi sakte. So, so these are the ways by which you can prevent marital breakdown. And intimacy also suffers big time because of exhaustion and burnout. Very true, doctor. Very, very, very true. Doctor, what are your thoughts and advice to couples about joining support groups? Uh, support groups are very utopian and ideal. And it is very important in an era of COVID and disconnection and a place where you can't travel one kilometer in half an hour. I would say a lot of support groups on the web, on the screen are very important. But the point is, I had a support group of patients suffering from schizophrenia where they would come and meet, but, but all that died, not because they can't meet globalization 
the horrors of traveling would not allow them to meet. So we are planning to do an online support group and they're very important. But in the online support group, uh, what people are looking for is not only consolation, support and counseling, but they're looking for certain very, very structured information as well as structured intervention in, in terms of therapists, in terms of wisdom from the family members, in terms of emergency care. For example, I still remember this, this mother who had two children with disabilities fell ill and she was admitted to a COVID ward and there was, there was nobody to take care of these two children at home. And so a lot of the new age, new era problems are there. The support groups are a must. And I, I always give the link for the forum for, autism, forum for autism and also the next generation. And, and, and I encourage all parents to join support groups. And, but what happens in support groups is also very important. Uh, there's something known as adverse effect of support group. Now, those who are older members of the support group are sometimes very, very insensitive to the younger members because they ask the same question which have been asked before by the old, older members who have learned and who have moved ahead. So those who are empowered, sometimes, not all, not all, I'm not saying all at all, those who are empowered sometimes feel uh, very, very difficult to absorb people who are, who are asking basic questions. So the support group also should understand that uh, empowered people should provide a cover and, 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 and assistance to those who are new. And it's not necessary that all, all of them should attend support groups. It should be, it should be a, a moving door philosophy where some people would not need the support groups because they have enough support in the joint family, in the villages, in the caste sangams, in the systems, and they're doing well. So I think a revolving door policy should support group should be the responsibility of, of, of systems where these children go for therapies, these children go for, 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 for medications or for counseling. I think it's, it's the professional bodies also should, should have a support group for the families of children with disability, apart from a lot of activities. So live interaction, face-to-face -face interaction should also be planned occasionally. Though I would say that it, it, it's very utopian, but understanding the difficulties and in support group need, support group need not be a big support group in a city. It should probably at, at one, one taluka or of also one, uh, one railway station premises and there you can have one. So even if they meet for 15 minutes, half an hour, it will really make a lot of difference. I appeal through this podcast to all families who have children with disability to seek out others who have a similar problem and sit down and, and join. And at that time, do not actually try and do what others have done, which may not be applicable to your child. So learn what you can, learn what you can do, and also learn from the grit of other parents, how they have really managed their children. And so learning from each other is one of the biggest uh, biggest action plan which families with children with disabilities should always look forward. That's great, Doctor. Thanks for that. Doctor, uh, our community and culture does not see counseling as an essential requirement to tackle depression, right? Whether depression, anxiety, or any other behavior issue. I agree. Are you seeing a gradual change in the special needs community at least? 
compared to you know all the others who come to you yeah the special needs community has a different problem in fact the they they, they don't meet problems they bump into problems so they feel the need much more but also on the mental health side we need to evolve different idioms different phrases and paraphrase the entire intervention by not focusing on counseling people do not know what counseling is counseling not that we would advise you counseling would mean that ideally you need to you need to build your coping strategies and helping you open your mind so that you can look beyond what your dark mind can see so i use the word conversations i use the word gappa i use the word charcha i still remember when i worked at 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 kandla cyclone after the disaster and we went to a village and we said we want to have a mental health shibir they said get out we are not mad and after the cyclone where more than 2 3000 people died then we found that the village had a system of satsang where they would meet and chat because human beings need to meet and chat and then we used the word satsang and we and we and we actually got people together and and we 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 entered the mental health we managed the mental health intervention through culturally relevant idioms similarly another experience at latur we we had a manaswasthya shibir we organized a manaswasthya shibir nobody came because that manaswasthya doesn't sink into them and and then we found that at the same time murari bapu was talking about ramayan so we need not always copy the western model of counseling we need to merge the counseling to cultural practice which are ours and ramayan attracted all the people and they went and murari bapu spoke beautifully about how to manage emotional health in in after after matrix so so we, we should not be culturally illiterate professionals when we deal with children with disabilities there are tools there are interventions which are scientific which needs to be done but the vehicle should be culture and and it it's so beautiful when you say salam alaikum to a muslim jai shri ram to a hindu and 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 jai jain to jain and 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 building our intervention in a culturally appropriate way is also an innovation with mental health professionals should also get into so dry western uh, which lacks spiritual and and cultural flavors will not work in india so very very interesting and extremely insightful doctor but what about the children or adults who have a disability are they being encouraged or referred to counseling by their parents or doctors or therapists or teachers who usually refers them to you or rather who I, should I, catch I, who should catch this need and refer them to you quickly i think yeah. i think what is important is still uh, this is an upper class phenomenon uh, because they have the time they have the resources and they and they and they reach out but let us look at what do the children need children need tools of intervention based on what disability they have that is number one number two children needs skills to remain healthy in the environment in which they are living third children need growth in terms of academics in terms of skills social skills other skills so there are various issues around the children with disability now how much can we provide i'll tell you we are all handicapped now the indian government has been very keen to build iams because they felt they need management graduates 
they've been very keen to build IITs because they feel that they need engineers. And they wanted a lot of uh, aims and they built aims. So you have more engineers, more management graduates, more doctors of different specialties, but we do not see a, a trust both in the states as well as in the center to build, build institutes where remittance educators can come up, to build institutes where, where, where therapists uh, who are cost effective and can go to the villages and help. So we do not see the trust because we see mental health, not an important agenda, either by the center or the state. Let me, let me give you an example. The Disability Act was, was gazetted in 2016. The new act where 21 disabilities have been listed. And the, and the law gave them two years to, for the state to, to abide and, and comply. And this is 2021. Also, the national education policy has one page on, on disability, but it's all theory. Not a single mention of mental health, not a single mention of counseling, not a single mention of counseling centers. So we lack, we need to work at the policy level where we need more remedial educators, affordable. We need more speech therapists. We need more psychologists. We need more occupational therapists. Where are they? We are talking in Bombay. How many villagers can access therapy for children with disability? Though they, the kids may be much happier there because the environment is, is, is accepting. So I think there needs to be a massive shift. Can you believe that learning disability, there's a, there's a high court case, which I'm involved in, and we, uh, the state government agreed to start all centers. In the COVID era, we are stuck. But disability is not a priority of any government. There's a disability commissioner, there's a minister, but where is the trust? So I think, I think Forum for Autism, and other forums across the country should ask difficult questions in policy. And if, if there's a TB eradication program, there's a malaria eradication program, where thousands of rupees and lakhs of rupees are spent, and less people die of malaria than of suicide, but there's nothing, no suicide prevention policy. There's a mental health policy in 2014, which is on paper, excellent English brilliant concept, but more action. So I think all of us together should join hands to see to it that disability, mentally, mental illness is also a disability and the developmental issues and disorders are also a disability. We should form a loose, loose uh, group and, and see that policy interventions will make therapists available, psychologists available at a low cost and and probably the last person in, in the Indian village who has a child with disability is taken care of. So I think, I think that is the big picture. That is the big ticket intervention, which we all need to do. We all get tired by treating one child every time. And that alone will not work. I think we need to look at the forest and not only the trees. Superb vision, doctor. Beautifully said. Doctor, my next question is, something which is extremely confusing for many. The big question about just medicating and taking care of any, any, any issue or counseling and medicating to get the required results. What is your take on this, doctor? Every child with disability has different problems. I'll give you an example. In the COVID era, there was a boy who was getting very excited, was not being controlled. And when I told him, go to the village, forget the education, forget the school, forget online offline, 
And if you have a village where, even if you're not rich, if there's open ground, open place, immediately left and 70% of the entire aggression went down. I, so, so matchbox houses, one child studying inside, the child with, with disability going up and down. So overcrowding also causes aggression. The, the, the nature of the, of, the, of the disability can also cause aggression. Uh, hostile interactions at the family express emotion can also cause aggression. I agree that symptomatically we tend to give medications to calm down the child to help the family. But though ideally, in a utopian world, we need to give medication only to those who badly require. But given the environment, uh, everybody is helpless and we need to calm the child much earlier so that the family is good and the child can remain in school, etc. Let me tell you, what I would like to see is that the government of India, the state government, starts bigger schools for children with disability. There are approximately 3,000 institutions, I do not know the number, the municipal institutions or government institutions in terms of schools. And a lot of schools get aid for salaries. How many children with disabilities, how many schools with, with, with disabilities exist? The numbers are very small. The environment is very small. It's NGOs. It's like Kanoza started their own school and, and many others have started their own school. But I think we should not run away from the responsibility of a government. In a globalized world, in, in global privatization is the mantra. A lot of health and education is privatized, thereby depriving the poor and the marginalized from getting access to health and education. And they remain a group which is invisible both in the media and even in policy initiatives. So we need to ask for the moon and that will also bring down the burden of care for parents who have children with disabilities. So, so if you have epilepsy, you need medication. If you have hyperactivity, you need, need medication. If you have psychosis, you need, need medication. This entire business in India, not only for children with disabled others, when you have when you have malaria, you will give medicines, when you have typhoid, you will give medicines, when you have COVID, you will give medicines. So I think as and where it is necessary, it should be given. I am I am looking forward to a multidisciplinary systems, not only in, in just look hospital or in Hiranandani, but but across across healthcare centers, there are health posts in Mumbai. I'm giving an example in Mumbai, where there's one day there's a multidisciplinary team uh, in the OPD for every child who has, who has a disability. So I think we have not fought enough. We have not we have not advocated enough, or we're all tired advocating, or we are very the numbers are very small. Though we have moved a lot across the last many years, thanks to people like you. But, but I think what is very important is we have to ask for the moon and nobody will fight for them except you and me. So we need to really strategically look at advocacy issues where we can point and show. I give an example of the Disability Act. I give an example of the NEP. So we need to point fingers and, and, and shoot our arrows as much as we do work on the ground of helping the child with disability. Doctor, um... What is the need of the hour for helping people to reach a psychologist or a psychiatrist? Can you please explain the difference in layman terms 
between a psychologist and a psychiatrist? Uh, a psychologist is an arts graduate, uh, at least minimum master's in psychology. A psychiatrist is a basically a doctor with at least a diploma in psychological medicine and a degree, a postgraduate degree or a postgraduate degree in psychiatry. If there are behavioral problems which are milder, if there are issues where parents have to be counseled and, 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 and behavior modification has to be done, etc., then it's the job of a psychologist. We enter the picture only when, largely when, when medications are required. So ideally, ideally, both have to work in tandem. But given in India that there are only 9,000 psychiatrists and an equal number of psychologists, it would be very appropriate for psychologists to work in groups of children, with groups of children. And it would be, it should be very appropriate for, for mental professors and all to work with groups of children. Now, sometimes remedial educators would not want to have the parent next to them when they're doing therapy because the parents interfere, the child is, is, is distracted. But it's very important for all mental health professionals to actually share a lot of skills with the parents so that what they do at the clinic, they can be, can, they can be uh, repeated or reinforced at home. So, so, so those who need medications, uh, hyperactivity, violence, uh, epilepsy, any, any form of mood disorders, a lot of Down syndrome children have depression. Very few parents really recognize that. It's so important to understand though they have their disability, they have a right to suffer from mental illnesses and then psychiatrists come to the picture. But again, I, I, my dream is to see a holistic team and that's not impossible. We need to fight for it. Doctor, you brought me to a um, question where, you know, I think you really have many, many demands and a huge vision. So how would you like to see this field changing in the coming years? You know, to be more more effective for our population. What is your wish list? I'll, I'll give you evidence. I'll give you evidence. I'll give you an analogy or a metaphor. 90% reduction in the cases of, of malaria in 2019, which Indian India India has achieved. This has been acknowledged by the world level. So death mortality has also gone down big time. And and that's because of political will. And if there is political will to, to manage physical illnesses, we need to get the same political will to manage children. My wish list is, I would say every hospital should not have only disability-friendly staircases or entrances. We need to have one room, one place where compulsorily it is a place where multi-speciality OPDs run. Every hospital, while you grant permission for starting the hospital, they should be told to start support groups in the hospital. So a lot of burden on the private sector, and not a burden because private sector are very much interested in cardiac operation because they get more revenue. Do that, run, but let them also do this. And that should be a mandate by the government and for which we need to fight. My wish list is every child who is disabled can go to a normal school as much as possible. And those who cannot, they need to have special schools close to the homes, like we have normal schools close to the homes. So that is one. Second is a lot of multidisciplinary centers in all hospitals for children with disabilities, not only in the Department of Psychiatry, not in the Department of Pediatrics. Uh, well, they can fight their, their, their wars or they can work together. But we need to have a specialized disability cell in, in both government and school 
and uh, private hospitals and also in the primary healthcare center or in the health post in cities and the primary healthcare center, one day should be actually devoted for children with disabilities where their doctors and others are available to the people in the village, in the town and in the, in the district or in the city. Absolutely awesome, Doctor. That was really amazing. Coming to my last question to you, Doctor, how are we going to help our families come back to normalcy with what has happened due to the pandemic, Doctor? Let me say this very openly, Jita. This is the most difficult part of the pandemic. Rather, a major challenge is. But I think I've been writing to the Chief Minister to start the schools for our children, disabled children. So what we need to do immediately is build the self-esteem and the confidence of the teachers in, in special schools. They also, they've also suffered. And, and, and re revigorate them to when to start and really work for the children. And if you have a list of parents who have children with disability, a constant engagement by your forum or others or like me to look into the problems as of now and at least give them give them years, give them years if not if not anything else, and that should be done at a very or at a very emergency need. The third is. I would still say that Forum for Autism or all of us should have a quick survey of the plight of our children, not a, not a tick mark survey. If we can, all of us uh, look at, say, 100 families, and each one of us would take up five families, 20 of us can come up with data because today is an era of data. When we show data, we can change policies. So these are the multi-factorial, multi-fold uh, Intervention which you can do, and also see if people with children with disabilities, other parents who had COVID, somebody, some would have more disabilities because of COVID, and others would have passed away. So, so we need to reach out in a very concentrated manner, and that cannot be done only at the level of NGOs, but we need to really talk to the executive health officer of Mumbai City and and, and work in tandem. Doctor, this was amazing. Thank you so much. I think this is one of the best um, podcasts where our listeners are going to feel that they learned a lot from listening to you and they feel thoroughly charged up about you know what we need for our children. Thank you so much for your time, for your absolute brilliant insight, Doctor. Thank you, Chitra. And we hope tomorrow is a better day for all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor. You were listening to the Special Needs Children Podcast with Chitra Iyer, the CEO of MFA and a trustee with the Forum for Autism. If you find this podcast relevant and interesting, it will be great if you leave a review, share, like and subscribe. You can also let us know if there is any specific topic that you would like us to cover. Feel free to email her on chitra.iyer at myfinad.com or you can call her on 98337-85892.